Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Let's open today's show with some statistics. It's often said that people could be either dog people or cat people, meaning they prefer one pet over another. According to a fairly arbitrary poll reported by Today.com, 74% of us listening today find ourselves being dog people. And a way to get into today's episode is to ask, how far would you go for a dog? Welcome to the show. My name is Ben. My name is Noel. Ben, when you say dog people, do you mean some sort of hybrid island of Dr. Moreau type monstrosity or mm. you're talking about dog aficion, fans of dogs? Mm. Yeah, as mentioned, uh, people who prefer dogs uh, or people who prefer cats. Uh, we have yet to ask our super producer, Casey Pegram, this question. So I, I'd like to ask both you guys. Uh, Noel, you strike me as more of a... Um, Maybe a cat person. I am a fan of the movie Cat People and mm -hmm. the uh, accompanying Giorgio Moroder soundtrack. And I do like cats. Uh, I don't know why. They're, they're, just, they're a little less needy. They're less work. Is that I, what it they're, is? They're less work. They're self-sufficient mm -hmm. dogs. While they do give you unconditional love, sometimes I feel like they just vomit love on you to the point where you're like, can we turn off the love hose, please? I feel like I, sometimes I get the sense, and I'm not going to profile you, but I've gotten the sense before when we hang out that you don't like dogs. Well, that's the thing. I'm dating a, a girl and have been for a while who has a lovely little dog who I enjoy. He does some cute things like he gets under the covers at night and kind of spoons with my leg, which I enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, but he also does things where in the middle of the night he'll get on top of my head and start flipping his body around in circles uh, like he can't get comfortable. And he's a humper and he's uh, he just does some <laughs> he does some things that rub me the wrong way. I'm not going to lie. But he also does something that I enjoy. So you're you're maybe on the fence about dogs in general. I'm cat people. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Casey? 
Oh man, this is this is tough. I'm I'm real 50-50 on this. I love dogs and cats. Mm. I've had more dogs than cats, but the one cat I did have lived to be about 18 or 19 years old and was a great cat. So, mm. I'd say uh I'd say both. That's awesome. You know, and that seems like uh that seems like the kind of answer I would expect from Casey, you know. Casey on the cat and dog case. Mm-hmm. And today's episode... Wait, you haven't said yours. Yeah, no, I haven't. Today's episode brings us to... <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> You're no, not no way. That no, no, sir. No, sir, my friend. Um, well, being a decent human being, I love dogs and cats. Wow, that was very, <laughs> that was very pointed. Very pointed. No, I'm messing with you. I don't... Um, I, I love, I love animals in general, and it's... Not to be um, too bleak about it, but it's true that in several generations, a lot of the wild animals that we can see today are going to be gone. So I'm a little bit bittersweet about it. You know, um, we created dogs in a very real sense, right? They Mm. are, if you think about it, dogs are genetically modified organisms or GMOs. Yeah, and I mean, the purebred ones are kind of those island of Dr. Moreau monstrosities in some ways that we're talking about. Some, uh, I believe, now I'm not a... um, you know, a dog doctor. I'm not a veterinarian, but I believe that there are a couple of breeds that require human assistance yeah. to reproduce. That's right. Well, I mean, even like just the the features that humans consider cute or desirable uh, sometimes are not good for the health of the uh, of the dog. So right, absolutely. We have bred them to be something that we like, but not necessarily with their best interest in mm-hmm. mind. Whereas cats self domesticated, which I think is fascinating. But but yeah, so I I am a lover of all animals, including serpents and insects. There are a couple animals I wouldn't necessarily want to have in my house all the time, like a snake. I feel like snakes um, snakes are very happy outside, and that's where I will leave them. But. Yeah. Well, you know, listeners, write in. Am I a monster? <laughs> I don't think you're a monster. Inquiring minds no. want to know. Mine, my mind wants to know. You want to know if you're a monster? I just, want to know if others think I'm a monster. Not, not everybody not everybody cares for dogs, and there's nothing wrong with that. I did. I, let me backtrack a little bit. I did not say I didn't like dogs. I said there are some qualities they have that annoy me a little bit, but I do, I do see the good in them. Okay. I believe specifically the phrase was vomit love. Yes. But Turn we, off the love hose is what I said. Yes, yes. yes. But we can agree that overall, in general— People love dogs. Yeah, and will often put themselves in harm's way to uh, protect them. There we go. 1925. Boom. (laughs) We got there. We did. So to explore this story, we have to look at the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire ruled an area of the world that included a lot of different people, nations, languages, religions, and ethnicities. And two of the peoples that they ruled or two of the nations that were under the rule of the Ottoman Empire were uh, the Greeks and the Bulgarians. In 1832, Greece becomes independent. And then in 1908, Bulgaria becomes independent. And this is a very big deal to them because while they were under the thumb of the Ottoman Empire, the Ottoman Empire was Islamic and the Greeks and Bulgarians were Christians of the Eastern Orthodox Church. 
And Bulgaria is uh, a, considered a Balkan nation, and it um, is along the coastline of the Black Sea. It has a very vast and uh, varying terrain, including mountains. Uh, it includes the Danube River, the famous Blue Danube of uh, classical music fame. Um, and it also, uh, to some of what you said, Ben, has a very culturally diverse population. Um, and this plays into our story in terms of dividing up some of these areas post-war. Right, exactly. So the Ottoman Empire falls. The Balkan League begins to carve up the European side of this empire, forming Albania, which many of us will recognize uh, from its multiple references in films like Taken. And they left Macedonia and Western Thrace Bulgaria and Greece ostensibly had a lot of reasons to get along. They shared a religion. They both were independent from a former empire. Uh, they both also wanted Macedonia. And this led to tension. This resulted in a number of conflicts between the two sides along the border, leading to the Second Balkan War of 1913. And as we know, just from hearing that date, 1913, uh, there's a much bigger war on the horizon. World War I breaks out. Bulgaria sides with Germany, Austria, and Hungary and launches an attack against Serbia. And then they lose. The Allies win. And Greece has sided with the Allies. And so they they are rewarded for participating with the, the good guys. For a job well done. For a job well done. Winners write the history books, and Bulgaria is forced to give up Western Thrace. And this is a big deal because giving up this specific area means that they lose their access to the Aegean Sea. That's right. Um, and so here's the thing. Uh, by 1925, the tension between Greece and Bulgaria were kind of reaching a boiling point. This region is no stranger to these kinds of tensions that have continued on throughout history. But this is one in particular we're going to talk about. The two countries had been um, at each other's throats for many, many years, and there were these I don't know what you'd call them, kind of little splinter factions, um, peasant groups that would cross the border between the countries because they shared a border and they would do all kinds of damage, property damage, mischief, plundering, livestock. Uh, and often there would be little skirmishes that would uh, result from these seemingly innocuous enough kind of acts of anarchy, but, you know, it's a powder keg kind of situation, and one little spark can ignite, you know, a forest fire, right? Right, and it's still sort of, you know, technically it's terrorism, to not to drop the T word too arbitrarily, but yeah, you're right, Noel, these were groups like the Internal Macedonian Revolutionary Organization, IMRO, and the Internal Thracian Revolutionary Organization, ITRO, IMRO and ITRO. And these organizations had some control, you know what I mean, over specific areas. There was a town called Petrik in southwestern Bulgaria, bordering Greece, and it was run by Emro. It was almost an autonomous area. They ran the town, you know what I mean? Like, have you ever heard those stories about areas in a city where even the police won't go. Watch out, kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they only, they like, you know, it's sort of like uh, a Gangs of New York kind of situation mm -hmm. where they literally have everyone in their pocket. They own the streets. They, it's sort of like a mafia kind of situation almost. Yeah, kind of a similar 
just in terms of control. That's we're, what I mean. Uh, yes. We're not we're not equating not these two things. Not at all. I but, just mean in terms of like the ubiquity of yeah. a territory being owned by sort of a shadowy organization. Yeah, I'm, I I I think your example is better. The reason I'm I'm uh, doing a little bit of prologue with mine is because this is how the Islamic State at, operated. That's right. But uh, these these groups we would imagine were not. Uh, as as violent and did not commit as many reprehensible acts, but they were there. They were challenging rule of law. They were also greatly contributing to these growing tensions. And in 1923, there is a prime minister of Bulgaria. His name is Alexander Stamboliski. He tries to he tries to get everyone to chill out just a little bit. You know what I mean? He says, "Let's." Greece, let's get along. Can't we all just get along? And then for the rest of the European continent, hey, Bulgaria is not that bad. You know what I mean? We're we're not crazy. And then the people of Bulgaria responded by ousting him in a coup. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I want to point out one little detail I don't think we've gotten to yet. Yeah. Um, after World War One um, and after the Balkan War, Bulgaria and Greece were, for the first time, independent nations. And they weren't used to this, right? The, this border was a super fuzzy prospect. The idea that now we're two different things, where exactly is this border? That was a big part of why these tensions were there, because it was sort of like, no, you don't get to say where the border is. I and mean, it just feels like they maybe didn't do the uh, legwork of properly defining the border in the immediate aftermath of being free of the Ottoman Empire, right? Well, they, that's the thing about borders, man. That's right. <laughs> they, they both felt like they defined it very well. Yes. They just didn't agree on what the good definition was. That's absolutely right. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Oh, 
right? It's- oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So... During one of these, uh, what would have been a skirmish? Yeah, exactly. Um, up to 17, I say up to, the number's a little fuzzy, Bulgarians were killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was really starting to contribute to uh, suspicions by the Greeks that Bulgaria was actually supporting this Macedonian movement for independence that was um, – going to lay claim to this territory within the Hellenic border. Can we talk a little bit about this notion of the Hellenic border, Ben? Sure, yeah. As uh, as we mentioned earlier, the thing about this region is that this separation, this independence, created a conflict because of these areas that the, the folks just couldn't agree on. And those areas were what we call Western Thrace, and Macedonia. Right. So Greece believed that Bulgaria was encouraging a Macedonian separatist movement, you know, because they were. Yeah, and most likely for completely selfish reasons mm-hmm. in order to kind of upset the apple cart and maybe get some allies with the uh, with the Macedonian separatists. Get some of that sweet, sweet land, you know what I mean? So everyone is itching for a reason to have a genuine fight for this border tension to spark an out-and-out conflict, and they have guards at the border, as you do, right? right? And there's a border guard on the Greek side, and this guy, like many people, owns a dog, and he's so used to being on the border, or so used to these border tensions at least, that he brings his dog along with him, but he, Greece at the time doesn't have a leash law. That's the problem. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of why maybe this is dubbed the War of the Stray Dog, which I would argue is a misnomer because this dog was not a stray. This dog belonged to this man who was a very loving, gentle master. 
But the dog did stray from. Aha, see, that, that, this is a semantic argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the dog strays. The dog makes a run for it. I don't know. He probably saw a squirrel or something, you sure. know, one of those famous Bulgarian squirrels. Oh, yeah. That we know so well. They're great. They're top notch squirrels. Big, 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 big squirrels. Very huge, very large physically. Um, so the dog bolts for uh, the Bulgarian side, right? Mm. And uh, the, the way I've read it was the, the, the gentleman. Uh, Gives chase to the mm-hmm. dog um, uh, and then ends up in Greek territory. And this is on October 18th, 1925 at a place called the Demir Kapu Pass. And naturally, as you said, no, the guy goes after his dog. It's like, oh, no, Sparky, you can't be here. Or Mr. Pickles, what are you doing? Or whatever, whatever the most popular Greek name for a dog is. Casey, will you make one up just to make up a dog name? Mr. Sprinkles. Mr. Sprinkles. Casey on the case. Casey on the case. I I would argue uh, God names would be good for dogs. Um, Greek gods. So you got like like Zeus Zeus, the dog or Apollo. Mm -hmm. You know, Artemis would be a good dog name. You call him Artie for short. What about muses? You know, I've always been partial to the name Calliope. And we don't know the gender of the dog. But, but anyway, this guy is yelling for his dog. Like, ah, you can't be here. Come back, come back. And he chases after his dog. Because he's a responsible pet owner, as you said. But in the Bulgarian side of the border, there are also sentries. There are also guards. And so a sentry shoots the soldier dead. And the guy guy never reconciles with his pooch. And this proves to be the first shot of what we now know as the war of the stray dog. As soon as one shot goes off, both sides of the border, guards on both sides, start firing their rifles. There's a lull. We can imagine people are reloading. A Greek captain goes into the, the no-man's land under a white flag, and he's, you know, he's waving his flag. He's like, everybody, calm down. Maybe he's saying, where's the dog? Maybe he's saying, just stop shooting. This is a misunderstanding. The Bulgarians see the flag, and they shoot him too along with his private, who came along as a sidekick. Damn. Yeah, I know. Not cool. Some real hot-headed triggermen going on over there on the uh, on the Bulgarian side. This was, of course, also near the uh, border town of Petrich, uh, which gives a subtitle to this conflict, the incident at Petrich uh, slash the war of the stray dog. Mm-hmm. And things, things may have ended there, some would say. I don't think so. Because at this point, the Bulgarian side has killed three people. Yeah, but they'd killed 17 had died before, right? Sure. And that didn't start the war. So what happens? We have, it takes not just the killings. It takes sort of a wily, uh, crafty military um, mastermind to kind of set things in motion, right? Right, right. 47-year-old Lieutenant General Theodorus Pangolos, who is a dictator, of Greece. He's the military dictator. He learns about these killings. He, as we can only imagine, slams his fist on the table and says, the Bulgarians, these treacherous dogs, which would be a poor choice of words on his end. Mm -hmm. But, you know, who knows if he knew about the dog at this point. This guy, being a military dictator, was very much authoritarian, ruling with an iron fist. He said, we are going to show these Bulgarians what's what. And this is, again, just weeks after this guy installed himself 
as the leader of the country. He orders an entire army corps to the area, and he sends a 48-hour ultimatum to Sofia, the capital of Bulgaria, where he says, I demand the following. First, apologize for the shootings. Second, prosecute any soldier who fired a shot. And third, compensate the families of the fallen soldiers, compensate them six million Greek drachmas. And that's within 48 hours. If not, there will be a war. I will invade. But here's the thing, Noel. After he issued that 48-hour ultimatum, he went ahead and invaded before the 48 hours yeah, was up. Yeah, just to really show them that he meant business. And <laughs> I, guess. I I don't know. That seems like a weird flex, you know? It's sort of like, uh, what, wh- why make the ultimatum if you're just going to break it before the other side has a chance to act? Yeah, it feels like it was just a PR thing, maybe yeah. for his domestic side. He wanted war. So they go through Bulgaria, this Greek army corps. They're doing horrible things. They're burning villages. They're looting. They're pillaging. They also start striking out at anything they consider a Macedonian enclave. Like, you're not so separate now, are you? Pop, 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 pop. And this is all for, let's, from the Greek perspective, like if he's looking to, to, to use this uh, to his advantage, yeah. it's to what? Claim more sweet, sweet land? Claim more territory? Just uh, move that border further and further o- away from them? Yeah, it's complex because it's it's partially that. Ultimately, that that's going to be one of their goals, to increase their uh, geographic holdings domain. Their holdings, sure, perfect. Sure. But also, it it's a hearts and minds thing on the dictator's end because he wants the people to see him as a competent and powerful leader. You know what I mean? He's still got that new car smell on him dictator-wise. So he wants to prove that he's – he. look – the easiest time for a dictator to be conquered in a coup is shortly after they have been installed in a coup that they create. That's right. So he needs to get as popular as he can before the next angry, hot-headed lieutenant general takes his head. This doesn't exactly apply, but I think it's just a great line. There's a line in um, Red Dead Redemption 2 where a general is trying to start a conflict with the Native Americans because they keep breaking the, – the basically the Americans keep breaking treaties with the Native Americans. And there's a line where one of his uh, lieutenants is kind of like – he understands the plight of the Native Americans. He says of his boss, the last war didn't go so well for him, so he figured he'd start a new one. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. You know what? That's a good line. <laughs> so how do they do? How do these belligerent Greek soldiers fare with their looting and pillaging? Well, you know, initially, pretty well. They had the element of surprise. Like, maybe that's why. It was the element of surprise. They say, we're going to give you a clock on this. And then they, and then they, and then they just go ahead and do so it. So terrible. Yeah, that, it doesn't really – yeah, it's not not very um, sportsmanlike, shall we say, mm-hmm. right? We so, go. yeah. So, initially, um, they blast in there, um, knock down the enemy's defenses, and drill into Bulgaria. Of course, raping and looting. I don't know. I'm adding raping. Uh, you you got to assume there's a little raping going along with the Whenever looting Whenever you pillaging. hear looting and pillaging. It's, it's like a Yes, yeah, I, I unfortunately. And burning all these villages. I mean, mm-hmm. really, really a scorched earth kind of warfare. Not nice. Right. Their idea is that they're going to occupy that town I mentioned, Top Patrick, uh, because they wanted to incentivize the Bulgarian government, I guess. But but more more was an excuse to invade. And as you said, in the beginning. 
they are they're doing okay primarily because they have this element of surprise. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. 
So once that element of surprise wears off, the Greek army finds itself in a bit of a quagmire. It's still recovering from getting walloped, getting its, can I say this on air? Getting its ass kicked uh, from the 1919 to 1922 war with Turkey. And so it didn't have all the infrastructure it needed to sustain an army and operate in Bulgaria. So Pangalos decides that Greece needs allies, and Athens asks Serbia to help them punish Bulgaria. And then they say, look, if you help us, if you help us fight these dirty Bulgarians, then we're going to give you a railroad corridor to uh, a port city as well as a zone of control in the region. This is so funny to me, though, because this is sort of like making, uh, counting your chickens before they hatch kind of mm-hmm. logic, right? It's like saying, hey, here's what I'm going to give you if we reign supreme here, once yeah. we control all that sweet, sweet borderland, right? But that's, I mean, that's how the game That's works. how the game is played. It's very much making the t-shirts before you make that's your That's right. Band. You're placing bets yeah, on yeah. who the winner will be. And if you win, you win big. If you lose, you look like a real Vegas, baby. I don't know why. I just like that phrase. Uh, so the Bulgarian side does the same thing in their defense. They, of course. Oh, no. Every, like you said, everywhere. Said, well, that's what, that's what is, it's what is done. It's what is done. Uh, but they don't go to just a single nation. They go to the brand spanking new League of Nations. Now, if you're asking me, I, I would add a caveat like a bunch of babies. <laughs> why? Why would you add that caveat? <laughs> I just feel like that's sort of like crying, going to your mommy and saying like, you know, little Stevie's picking on me. Come help. Come, you know, give him a spanking. But that's literally what the League of Nations was supposed to be for. It right. Was, it was to prevent. I don't know, man. I just figure sort out your own stuff. Leave, leave the league out of it. It was it, all right. I'm I'm being a little hard. <laughs> it was meant, though. You, you know, it was it was meant to, at least on paper, uh, exercise diplomacy between nations to prevent um, multinational wars. You know what I mean? So this should be exactly what the League of Nations is good at doing. They intervene in the war through diplomacy, and they go to the dictator of Greece and they say, "Hey." Hey, buckaroo, you know, I know you're a big deal and you got to, you know, rule your people with an iron fist and all that slow jazz, but stop invading folks. And whatever they say persuades the general now. And he says, all right, you guys rule that I can't, can't keep invading. Uh, So I'm going to pull my troops back. But by the time he finally comes to heal, I feel like I'm using so many dog terms. But well, that's important. <laughs> By the time your you, pun game is strong. Oh, that's uh, is that even a pun? You know, I it, it's sort of like uh, Alanis Morissette's song. Ironic is anything in that song actually ironic? ironic? I don't know. Uh, well, we will doggedly chase a pun if we can find one. Fifty Bulgarians are dead. By the time the guy finally says, "Okay, League of Nations, Elowin, I'm out," I comply with your ruling. Okay. And I, I, you know what, I'm going to walk back what I said about the Bulgarians being babies for one of the League of Nations. You're right, Ben. It is what it's for because Greece was super overstepping, right? They were, oh, well, I mean, I, you know, yeah. war, war is, uh, what is it? War never changes, you know, from the Fallout games. doesn't matter. I feel like uh, Pangalos was being super opportunistic and overstepping and really... 
jumping the shark, shall we say, in his uh, in his um, invasion efforts. And also, not to mention the non-sportsmanlike way he totally gave them a clock on the offer of reparations and then completely went back on that. Dirty so, pool, old man. Very dirty, dirty pool. Very dirty. So here's the thing. The League of Nations side with the Bulgarians, and mm. they give them a little help. They send them some, uh, some troops mm-hmm. from some member nations, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they say, look, we don't want this to get ugly. I don't know why in my head these guys are all calling uh, calling this dictator these weird names like Buckaroo, Bucky, partner. Uh, they do ask, they, they do ask for the dictator to pay some kind of financial compensation to Bulgaria. Well, he did burn down like villages. I mean, there's going to be, you know, some rebuilding costs associated with this. Did you see how much they asked him to pay? It wasn't an insignificant amount. It was 45,000 pounds, 45,000 British pounds. That's it? That's it. That's not much. That's not much at all. That's, that's not going to— That's token. I think this is recent enough, Ben, that we could uh, we could inflation calculate that bad boy. You are correct. Uh, Casey, could I get the cue for a handy-dandy inflation calculator? Perfect. All right. 45,000 pounds in 1922 is equal to, dramatic pause, 2.49 or so million pounds in 2018. And we didn't really see a figure for how much damage the Greek invasion cost, but I've seen many sources indicating that there was much uh, burning and pillaging and looting and sacking going on. So this seems like a pretty insignificant sum, but Pangalos was was still very unhappy with it. He felt that the League of Nations had given him a raw deal because they um, they had sided against him before as well, hadn't they, Ben? Well, he already felt that they were incredibly imbalanced and hypocritical because he said, he said, look, we all know that the League of Nations has two sets of rules, one for nations that are powerful, like Italy, Ah. and one for us, the little guys like Greece, and you guys are unfairly uh, punishing us for things that you would be absolutely fine with another nation doing. Oh, we're, we're just trying to make our make our nut, you know? Yeah. We're just trying to flex a little bit of, you know, why, why can't we be conquerors? Right. Everyone else gets to conquer. Why is everybody so pro-Bulgarians? That's, that's we're, we're taking some poetic license here. But, yeah, he, he, is, he is not happy with it, and— he feels that he has been humiliated mm-hmm. in front of his nation and on That's the right. global stage. He feels that uh, Greece as a nation has been humiliated with his name on the marquee. And Because uh, here's the thing, man. Yeah. When you're a dictator, I mean, your source of power comes from your ability to, like, flex and mm-hmm. be a strong man and, like, say, you know, I am a beyond reproach and I have an iron fist and no one can mess with me. It's like the same as being, like, a— I don't know, I'm using this example again, but like being a mob boss. As soon as someone sees weakness in you or you are messed with and not paid or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you are open to being overthrown, my friend. And, yeah, as I had mentioned earlier, when is the most likely time for a military dictator to be overthrown? It's right after he overthrows someone. That's right. Or, you know, it's right after they overthrow someone. Or he attempts it anyway. Yeah, and so— we can only imagine that at this time, Pangalos, General Pangalos, is privately worried 
that this may affect his ability to rule or the people's trust in him. And it turns out that he is absolutely right. He has been seen as weak on the domestic and international stage. So the very same people, the very same cadre of officers that helped him become dictator, by that summer, they overthrow him and they replace him with the old guy, the earlier president of Greece. Just goes to show, you know. I mean, oftentimes these powerful men are representative of something going on beneath the surface. And when the uh, shadowy cabals that run things for real beneath the surface, even under a dictatorship, mm-hmm. the dictator has to answer to somebody a lot of the time. You right, know? right. Like um, like even in democracies like the U.S., the president has to answer to Sheryl Crow at some point. She is such a monster. <laughs> I had no idea we had picked such a powerful enemy. But yeah, you're absolutely right, Noel. You're absolutely right. He is overthrown. He vanishes from the public eye. We know a little bit about what happens to him next, and it's it's not especially pretty, nor is it noble, nor glorious. He's implicated in a corruption scandal. Uh, he sur- resurfaces uh, to endorse the pro-Nazi collaborationist regime in Greece during the, the you know the rise of the Nazi Party. He passes away in 1952. But get this: his grandson, who shared the name Theodoros Pangalos, uh, became deputy prime minister of Greece. So they kept That's him right. in the family. Yeah, they really did. Um, and. O.G. Pangalos withdrew from public life and uh, wasn't really heard from again. And, you know, because he kind of retired in uh, in shame. And this this whole, all because of a stray dog. All because of a dog. We don't even know the dog's name, but I think Casey made an excellent choice with Mr. Sprinkles. I like it too. I'm going to go with Zeus the dog. You're going to go with Zeus? Yeah. All right. And we, 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 I guess we could speculate and say the guy, the, the guy probably named his dog something Greek, right? Hey, maybe it was Pangalos. Maybe that's why the dictator got so mad. But we sadly don't know what happened to the dog afterward. And for playing a very small part in in this story, uh, this unknown dog has won the has won the name in history. It's called the incident at Petrick, but a lot of people nowadays call it the War of the Stray Dog. Uh, We hope that you have enjoyed this episode, this brief look into one of the many ridiculous causes for war throughout human history. Let us know some of your favorite stories about ridiculous causes for war. And, hey, if you have any uh, cool pet pictures, you can send them. (laughs) I don't want to volunteer both of you guys. I just love seeing other people's pets. Uh, you can send them to us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. You can also find our favorite part of the show, your fellow listeners, on our Facebook page, Ridiculous Historians. You can also check us out on Instagram where we are Ridiculous History. You can check me out independently if you want to see pictures of me walking around eating croissants with my kid. Uh, That is at Embryonic Insider. And if you want to see my various uh, misadventures here and abroad, uh, uh, as well as disguises and costumes, you can follow me at Ben Bolin on Instagram. Thanks to our super producer, Casey Pegram. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed our track. Uh, thanks to our research assistant, Gabe. And Noel, thank you, man. You know, I, 
I don't think you're a monster. I think you're a pretty cool dude. Are you sure? Yeah. You kind of hurt my feelings at the top of the show. Did man. I really? A little bit. Why? Because you said you're a normal, nice human being who likes all animals, and that implied that I'm some sort of subhuman monster. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm just kidding. Not I am, all. if I'm not, if nothing else, I am melodramatic. <laughs> well, we all need a bit of drama in our lives, and I'll tell you what, I can confidently say that none of the three of us would start a war over a dog. Okay, I can with... 90% certainty, even as I was saying that, I was thinking, well, I don't know. It depends on the dog, and it depends on the war, really, yeah, well, think about a, it. I mean, you know, if you see, you see an opportunity, <laughs> I, I say go for it. <laughs> we'll see you next time, folks. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills, into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.